welcome to The Resting Pendulum. I am Peter Codius, your host. Our music is under license from scottholmesmusic.com. Episode 9, Availability and Affordability of Healthcare. Chapter 2, The PPACA Today, what we know as Obamacare. Agree or not, the Affordable Care Act is the law of the land. The results are a mixed bag for a lot of reasons. In this chapter, we're not going to delve into all the nuts and bolts of the ACA. However, it is important that you know the Affordable Care Act relies heavily on using federal subsidies to exist. The subsidies and related spending represent a substantial federal commitment to the tune of $43 billion back in 2016. That was done to help middle-income Americans afford coverage. In its infancy, the promise was the ACA would provide affordable health insurance for all. In fact, the claim was that every family would save $2,500 per year. Well, an indicator of how that worked out is that households saw a 12% increase in their health care premiums. The average premium increase per household was $232 annually. The level of coverage in many cases, however, improved. And that's a good thing. It is now 2020, and by even the most generous of counts, lowering the cost of health care has not happened. As with all socialist policies, there is a financial cost associated with them that require public money, or as I like to refer to it, confiscated money in the form of taxes, from individuals to make them work. The forfeited money in the case of the ACA from the years 2014 through 2018 came from healthy young people that either purchased the lowest cost product or paid a direct penalty, a tax, if they did not buy health insurance. The second and most crucial element is that millions of Individuals and families remain uninsured. 27.9 million in 2018, and the cost to have health insurance has continued to rise. When the full impact of the repeal of the personal mandate, that is, the tax on those that did not purchase insurance, the cost of the Affordable Care Act is expected to escalate by $3 billion. A telling number is this. Eleven years after its passing, only 8.3 million people signed up for Affordable Care Act coverage in the marketplaces for 2020 which shows a decline from 9.6 million 
in 2016. Instead of going up, enrollment has been going down. Finding pure facts is close to locating a needle in a haystack, as government reporting is years behind when trying to make an argument for one side or the other. Most of all we hear and read is speculation or best-guess estimates. Another disturbing feature of the Affordable Care Act is the insurance industry profit guarantees that were part of the original legislation. Unfortunately, rising costs when coupled with the repeal of the fine, that is the tax, for those not acquiring health insurance, it is very difficult to determine the long-term financial impact of the law. One of the remaining hardships for those that subscribed are out-of-pocket costs, high deductibles, coinsurance, and co-payment costs for most plans. One other provision is that the Affordable Care Act requires health insurers in the individual and small group market to spend 80% of their premiums after subtracting taxes and regulatory fees on medical costs. This ensures them a gross profit of 20%. There have been waivers granted that increase the profit margin for some insurers if the state has fewer number of insurers for the fear that without a better margin, they will leave that state. Sort of like commercial blackmail. In Maine, for example, the profit number is 31% because they have but two large carriers. If one of them were to leave completely, the people of Maine would be at the absolute mercy of the remaining carrier. On March 23, 2010, most of the major provisions of the Health Care Act were designed to be phased in by January of 2014. The remaining provisions were scheduled to phase in by this year, 2020. The driving force behind confiscated revenue, the penalty between 2014 and 2018, was eliminated beginning in 2019 because of a lawsuit that was held to be valid and the individual mandate was held to be unconstitutional. The court also ruled that the entire law should be struck down as a result. The brief considered the complex and far-reaching impact and they held that the entire law was invalid. Subsequent to that ruling, the order was upheld by the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals in 2019, who then asked the lower court judge to reconsider whether the ACA should remain intact. That decision is still pending. One thing the law specifically states is that all plans offered in the marketplace cover 10 essential health benefits. 
the most powerful of them being the pre-existing condition provision. When comparing plans, each plan has to spell out precisely what it offers. However, all marketplace plans must cover treatment for pre-existing medical conditions. That's quite a good benefit. No insurance plan can reject you, charge you more for your health reasons, or refuse to pay for essential health benefits for any condition you had before your coverage started, provided you were uninsured for at least six months prior to prior to enrollment. In 2020, the average cost for a plan for a 27-year-old enrollee individual that purchased the second lowest tier, silver, is $388 per month. And for a family of four, that same silver plan is $1,520 a month. The average cost does not include people who receive government subsidies, however, and that's based on income. Older adults often pay higher premiums and a higher percentage of their income for ACA plans. But once you're enrolled, the plan cannot deny you coverage or raise your rates based only on your health. While estimates that the overall cost for building the website, you remember that website, the one that didn't work? Well, the estimate was that it reached over $500 million prior to launch, and in early 2014, HHS Secretary Sylvia Matthews Burwell said there would be approximately $834 million on marketplace-related IT contracts and the interagency agreements. This number is roundly disputed by Bloomberg Government, a division of the Bloomberg Group, whom we all know is not exactly right-wing. According to their calculations, when all costs to implement and maintain the site are included, through 2019, the cost is closer to $2.1 billion for a website. Granted, it's a little complex, but that's a little strong, you know. $2.1 billion? That's what happens when you're spending other people's money. We've all heard that fewer Americans are uninsured today as a result of the Affordable Care Act, which is commonly known, as we know, as Obamacare. That being said, numbers and statistics are easy to manipulate, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, and they're done that way to serve the person or person's goals in reporting such numbers. It is important, however, to remember that the stated goal was to provide affordable health insurance for all Americans that would save those with insurance $2,500 per year. Per a Gallup report back in May of 2014, the U.S. uninsured rate 
Population fell from 17.1% in 2008 to 10.4% in 2018. The most dramatic decline occurred in 2014 when the provisions and penalties kicked in. The ongoing issue is cost increases every year. The story goes on to say the subgroups most positively affected were blacks, Hispanics, and those with lower incomes. Similarly, the uninsured rate among those with a lower income, those with an annual household income of less than $36,000, has also dropped 5.5 points to 25.2% since the fourth quarter of 2013. I want you to remember that number, 25.2% remain uninsured. That's a far cry from affordable health care for all. Unfortunately, many Americans remain under the misconception that the passing of the Affordable Care Act was the panacea they were expecting. It simply isn't true. Although it might have been sold that way, it's not what happened in reality. Rather than providing a sound foundation for overall improvement and a solution to health care coverage problems and the associated costs, it was political from day one. Just being a reasonable person and thinking how weak politicians really are, there is a reason it goes beyond politics, that its passing did not garner a single Republican vote. Not one. In 2009, 46.3 million people of all ages were uninsured. Yet 11 years after its passing, only 8.3 million people signed up for the ACA coverage in 2020. Measuring this number against the $2.1 billion that Bloomberg government said it cost just to build and maintain the Marketplace website, you decide if it represents good value for the American people. After investigating all the facts, a few stand out. We as a country remain far away from the goal of affordable health insurance for all. And based on decades of experience, whenever the government, whether it be federal or state, is involved in managing a business, it becomes bloated, has exceptional costs associated with it, it has waste, fraud, and incompetence, all part of the package. The answer to this constant phenomenon is quite simple. The government spends the money of other people absent any responsibility for the outcome. Practically speaking, no bureaucracy can function as a private enterprise because it lacks discipline, desire, and accountability. We go right back to the question we asked in the introduction. 
Have you ever heard of any government worker that was relieved of their job because the government lost money? When does it fail? Well, it fails because it's trying to do something it can't do by itself. It requires participation. It requires Americans to sign up for health insurance. Fact of the matter is, 27 million Americans remain uninsured in 2020. 27 million. When this whole thing started, there were 46 million. We didn't even cut the number in half. So, when you add, on top of all this, bankruptcies that are going to result from COVID-19 shutdowns, businesses that will close will certainly not help in the equation. You know, folks, it's it's something, you know, it's, it's sort of like uh, when, I, when I was a kid, we were we were taught that if uh, when we got in a fight because back then when when kids could fight you know to to get over their disagreements hardly anybody ever got hurt but we still fought for who won the the loser was usually asked to cry uncle that was a sign that i give up you win and will live to another day. We look at this act that turned into law at the urging of only one of the two major political parties in our country. And then you add to that what I consider personally to be the most damning comments about the Affordable Care Act, and this is them, not a single member of Congress or any of their staff participates in the Affordable Care Act because in the words of several members of Congress, if we force this on our staff, they would resign. Now, I don't know if that bothers you, I don't know if you find that to be troublesome. But when someone decides for me what is in my best interest and is something they refuse to participate in, I have a problem with that. You should have a problem with that. For some reason, these people think they're above us. They are supposed to work for us. Yet we, in our rush to get something for nothing, we just go ahead and support wild and idled promises over and over and over. And when they don't deliver, they are rewarded with re-election. I don't care what side of the aisle they're on. It doesn't matter. If your representative, we said this before, if your representative isn't representing you, why do you want them? I mean, because they they are either red or blue, 
What does that have to do with anything? Just, just look at what they're accomplishing. And their empty promises continue year after year after year. I, I have to believe you agree with me on this. I happen to be, um, as you know, we're making this this uh, podcast uh, during the run-up to the 2020 elections. I, I don't even... I don't even turn on the TV anymore on a commercial channel because the commercials alone, they beat each other up as if they were both monsters. It, it doesn't matter which side of the aisle you're on. They speak to the other person as if they're a, a liar, a cheat, a scoundrel, and a good-for-nothing so our choices are to believe one's accusations of the other while we really should be looking at, number one, the incumbent and looking at their actual performance as it pertains to what's best for us. It is just amazing because here's what really happens, and this is what happened with the Affordable Care Act. They were told what they were going to do. And in case you don't remember, I'm going to remind you what the Speaker of the House said just prior to the vote for the Affordable Care Act. We first have to pass it before we know what's in it. How's that? You didn't hear that? Well, look it up. It's a fact. Nancy Pelosi specifically said, we didn't read it. We're not going to read it. We're just going to pass it. And after we pass it, we'll deal with it. Warts and all. That's not how it ought to be. Now, the resting pendulum believes it can be massaged. However, when you're massaging something, you need to know where the tight muscles are, right? So we have to look for what are the good things in this law? What are the harmful things? And what are the things preventing it from being available and affordable to everyone? And those are the areas that need to be addressed. I honestly believe Universal health care in the United States is a bad idea. And I've cited in episode nine introduction some of the reasons why. And the most important reason to keep in mind is the number of jurisdictions that have to deal with it. The federal government doesn't decide for the states. The federal government does not have the constitutional authority to force something like health insurance on the states. And then you look at the private sector, insurance companies, pharmaceutical companies, which we'll get into in the prescription drug affordability portion of this 
episode, and you'll see that you you just can't you can't have one without all related parties being in agreement, uh, tricking someone, um, using Peter to pay Paul, taxing or confiscating the money of uninsured individuals because they won't buy a product is immoral. It just isn't right. This is supposed to be a country of freedom. This isn't freedom. When you mandate, and they call it a individual mandate, you will. So what's next? We're all going to drive a Prius? We do get the episode on that baby. Energy. That'll really blow you out of the water. But at any rate, here's the truth. You heard it. You know it. If you're a participant in the Affordable Care Act uh, process, I only hope that you do the necessary research to get the absolute best product for you and your family. And I wish you well. I thank you for listening. And I remind you, each day when you awake, commit to doing the right thing, the right way, for the right reason. Thanks for listening. Until next time.